Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks from Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know, I had a little bit of a health issue lately and I lost a lot of weight, almost like 60 pounds. Now, some of that was on purpose. Some of that was from the hospital stay, uh, but I had to get some new clothes. And so guess where I'm going? That's right. I'm going to Leon Tailoring because Larry, Norm, Kim and Judy, they've taken my measurements for years and the measurements have dropped a little bit. And so they'll take care of me just like they'll take care of you. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. Don't tell me you lost weight. They'll be able to tell if you have or not. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, with the Indiana Black Expo this week, we figured it'd be a good time to talk about sort of the state of African Americans, not only in the city of Annapolis, but in the state of Indiana as well. And join us on Newsline is no stranger to these airways, an old good friend, uh, Marshawn Wallach, the president and CEO of Black Onyx Management. Marshawn, my friend, how you been doing, old buddy? I'm good, man. How you doing? It's, been good. it's good to see you out and about and up. Well, it's good. it's good to be above ground, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But then again, as one of my closest friends, who's the first assembly guy, Minister Sid Abdul, if you died... We, no matter where you were, you'd be able to talk your way in or out of wherever you were going or headed to. So there we go. <laughs> there you go. So, my friend, let me ask you, uh, how is the state of African-Americans? Uh, let's start here in the city of Indianapolis. Yeah, so um, it is an interesting time. I just had some time to think about this because I'm, I'm doing some writing. And I remember the whole, you know, uh, Charles Dickinson uh, or Dickens. Uh, statement, it's the best of times and the worst of times. And so what I mean by that, obviously, on the worst of times, our homicides and non-fatal shootings are remain a concern. While um, they're 10 percent down, I'm seeing numbers around that range um, from, you know, previous year, our previous years, last several years, those numbers have been extremely high and very disconcerting. Uh, in one year, we had 181 black people killed by themselves and i mean within the 200 year city history for the most part we haven't had 181 people killed in a single year and so definitely still concerns about um, community violence mental health um, and the economic issues still remain although from the best of times perspective we are seeing a surge in business formation we are seeing a surge in um, really like arts and culture and what I like to talk about, um, like black Indianapolis experiencing a renaissance, which means essentially the culture in Indianapolis within the black community, folks are doing different things. They're running for political office. They're starting businesses. They're um, engaging in developed creation of events and things of that nature. And so it is an interesting time. Uh, it's interesting to bring up uh, sort of the, the, the black entrepreneurial sort of the business perspective. I saw some data recently. That basically said uh, for the first time in ever, uh, the black unemployment rate was only half a percent lower nationwide than the white unemployment rate. But the black workforce participation rate was actually higher than their white counterparts. Yeah. Yeah. So we're also seeing numbers there. Now, I'm always cautious about uh, the unemployment rate. Um, rightly so. Uh, incarcerated individuals are excluded from that number. But what we found is that if you um, if you do if you were to include them in a hypothetical then the actual unemployment rate um, would go significantly higher. So the, the, the criminal, this is a situation where the criminal justice system actually distorts um, what's going on on the ground. But if we're doing apples to apples, um, yeah, there's been a significant uh, improvement in the gap. But at the same time, we're also seeing black women leave corporate America, and they're going out and they're starting businesses. So it's an interesting kind of flux. In fact, nationally, uh, black women created 37% of all employer-owned businesses uh, in the last couple of years.
Uh, my friend, uh, how have uh, African Americans uh, sort of prospered uh, since the since the uh, pandemic? Because I know uh, a lot of African American communities, communities of color, which I hate that term, but they'll use it anyway yeah. just for purposes of reference, uh, were sort of disproportionately uh, the 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 pandemic hit them maybe harder uh, than the majority community. Yeah, so um, I was looking at some data with respect to black businesses, and we know that. Um, the concern was that uh, there was going to be a 41% closure of black businesses. Indiana already had an estimated 40% closure rate for black businesses already. Um, we saw from the data that um, we did have an impact on the businesses, and the, the impact ended up being around 12 to 14% on revenue. Um, and so that was disproportionately higher than other businesses. Nevertheless, um, I think what you're seeing with both business formation, it's promising with unemployment, it's, it's promising. Um, I think we're still concerned about, you know, long-term housing, what that looks like um, from an economic perspective. And I think part of the reason why people did well, uh, going back to your question, is the federal government had some supports out here. Um, they had a lot of supports for folks, and I think um, people's personal household incomes uh, benefited from that, including not paying for uh, student loans. Our guest on the program today is our good friend, Marshawn Wally. Marshawn is the president of Black Onyx Management and a pretty activist voice here in the city of Indianapolis, an old friend of yours truly. And so we just figured we hadn't spoken in a while, so we figured so we talk about the, the state of African Americans uh, with Indiana Black Expo uh, taking place this week uh, here in the capital city. Uh, Marshawn, I want to uh, switch gears. We've been talking about sort of the, the, the crime issue uh, because obviously yeah. uh, homicides are down about 10%. Uh, however, uh, we find an extraordinary number of those tend to be African Americans. And also, uh, uh, the last time I checked, a, a lot of the folks, the, the the when bad guy shoots bad guy, it's eighty uh, percent of the of the suspects, like seventy percent of the of the of the victims, all have adult prior felonies, whether it's uh, gun crime, crime against a person, or drugs. Uh, what is going on? Because uh, I was going through my Facebook feed the other day, and it seems like every year. Uh, either whether it was the mayor, Joe Hogsett, or the former mayor, Greg Ballard, they always had a sort of an anti-summer crime plan. And it seems like every year we just keep reinventing the wheel over and over and over again. So, um, yeah, all of those things are um, true. I'll, I'll take the, the summer plan and, and, and set that to the side for a second. One of the things I'm also uh, concerned about both is the increase in um, black women uh, who have been uh, being killed in the city, and, and we saw an uptick in that, particularly during the, like the COVID years with domestic violence. Um, but then we're also seeing young people. Uh, lots of, uh, too many young people are being shot with the non-fatal shootings and then uh, unfortunately uh, murdered in the city. And so there's cons consistent um, or significant concern there. As far as the summer plans, I mean, if you have a 10 percent decline, then something uh, must be going the right direction. The concern is always that the numbers are too high. Uh, and I think when we're looking at uh, community violence, one of the things I do is I look at the Violence Policy Center's um, you know, annual report on what's going on. And they, it's like a statewide report. And one of the things we've found is that just being a black person in Indiana for years, uh, we've been in the top 10 of uh, most homicides, most victims of gun gun violence uh, for, 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 you know, at least the 10 years, uh, and sometimes often in the top five. So 
this is a long-term problem. I don't know that it will change overnight. Um, there's so many different things that have to happen in order to tackle it. And I think, yes, you got to have your, your prevention program. I know the city council passed some, some, um, some bills and concepts yesterday. You know, it's, it's a challenge. It is definitely a challenge. And, um, I, I need to see, I want to see progress on it. Uh, my friend, let me ask you, uh, what about the, the sort of the, 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 the culture? Uh, because that's yeah. one, of the, one of the issues that always pops up. Obviously, you can do crime prevention. Uh, you can do enforcement. But until you, until you change people's hearts, what is it going to take to get that done? I think people need opportunity. Uh, and I think they need real opportunities. One of the things I'm concerned I, I think about is um, waivers in high school. When you graduate someone and you wave them out of high school, they don't really have. Uh, or social promotion. Social promotion, those kinds of things. Uh, that's, that's really a problem because they end up out in society improperly equipped to deal in a knowledge economy. And I think that's crushing. And I think that's part of the reason why you see some of the fresh, you know, some of the acts of violence coming because it's usually acts of frustration. And um, that's, that's a problem that was created, you know, likely, you know, I don't know, most of the average age for uh, homicides is usually the, with the victim and the same is closer to, you know, 29 to like the 33 kind of range. So the, the problem was created 11 to four, 13, 14 years ago. And every year we keep adding on to it. Uh, and so we have to figure out how to get people, you know, back into school, um, get them equipped for the economy and get them on, on the right path to meaningful work that means something to them. Our guest on the program today is our good friend, Marshawn Wally. Marshawn is the president of Black Onyx Management uh, and also a good friend of the program as well. We've known each other uh, for years. And so we figured we'd get together and just kind of chat uh, with Indiana Black Expo uh, this week. Talk about sort of the state of African-Americans, not only in the city of Indianapolis, but also uh, statewide. Uh, Marshawn, what are you hearing from your, some, some of your counterparts in you know, Fort Wayne, Evansville, uh, the region, you know, yeah. New Albany? Uh, are, are they facing sort of the same issues that we are here in the capital city or is it a little bit different? So uh, some of it is a little bit different. Um, I know, for example, Fort Wayne, uh, based on what I've been able to discern, for example, they have like the highest gap between white home ownership rate and black home ownership rate. There's concern about just apathy, political apathy. Um, some of our markets, uh, or not markets, but cities are severely underdeveloped when you're thinking about black business formation and creation and being able to uh, participate meaningfully on city contracts. Um, you know, Evansville, South Bend, both of those uh, communities come to mind. Um, there, then there's just the mechanics of trying to get things done. Um, I know Gary, they're, they're wrestling with um, challenges with the school system and, and trying to make sure the, the kids are getting the proper education that they need for the future of that community. And I know they got an election coming there. Interestingly enough, so we've got, we've got a black person running for mayor, obviously, in Gary. That's not a surprise. We've got a black person running in Evansville as well. A black woman, actually. Um, I can't remember her name. Um, so one of the things I'm looking at is black mayors as they're popping up around the state. 
Um, that's interesting. You know, the other thing that uh, is a little concerning is, is actually more than just a little concerning. Um, DEI efforts in city halls and whether or not they're moving forward, um, there's concern about maybe some of that softening in South Bend. Um, interested things. I think they're trying to do some some work in Evansville to maybe get some things moving. Don't know how far they're getting going to get, but those are some things that I'm just kind of paying attention to throughout the state. Uh, my friend, from from a sort of from sort of a business perspective, how have African Americans done uh, with getting uh, you know uh, their minority certifications, which then leads to other opportunities to not only do work for for city governments but also uh, for private sectors as well. Yeah, one of the interesting things that's happening now uh, within the private sector is a focus on moving from just capturing MBE data, but disaggregating MBE and getting into um, black business with Latinx or Latino businesses and just break, breaking it down to understand, you know, who are actually getting these opportunities. Uh, during Black Expo, I know they're going to have a session or they maybe already had the session where they're going to talk about over a billion dollars and opportunities coming from private sector, some government projects. I know um, we're doing work with uh, IPS. They have a $410 million um, referendum that was just passed, and so there's a lot of construction opportunities there. And I think this is this is part of that best of times kind of piece where there's just a lot of potential. Uh, the Because of the there was a point where we lost a number of trades, building trades, uh, with major companies, and a lot of those have come back. So we have newer firms that can take uh, advantage of this moment, and so it's just going to be interesting to see how it all how it all plays itself out because it's all happening at once. Marshawn uh, Wally with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Uh, Marshawn, I want to take things up, sort of up to the national level, uh, so to speak, and the recent Supreme Court decision regarding affirmative action, uh, basically saying that, hey, you can't use race anymore as a factor uh, in determining and figuring out college admissions. Uh, they got the world sort of, you know, freaking out. And I wrote a column uh, as, as a, as a quote-unquote affirmative action baby uh, who went to college back in the early 90s. I mean, yeah, it was there. I took advantage of it, uh, but also uh, I had to do all the work and everything. I guess in the in 2023, is race or should race still be considered uh, as a factor in college admissions, or can you do other things sort of like geography, income? I know like Ivy Tech has open enrollment, so affirmative action is an issue for them, or like some other schools, like hey, if you're in the top 10 percent of your class, we'll let you in. I guess that's sort of the sort of other ways to to get uh, to where we need to be with a, with a diverse uh, college university system. So I think the first thing that I would note about this current moment is um, I am looking toward the ascension of and the, the full embrace of HBCUs. Um, so let's and take for the folks who don't know what that means, that means historically black colleges. Yeah, I'm sorry, historically black colleges, and there's also um, predominantly uh, black institutions. So we have um, uh, Martin University, for example, in Indianapolis is a predominantly uh, black institution. Um, if so, so black students, I think, um, because of sports and because of things that have happened, like with Deion Sanders going to HBCUs, and people have kind of started to pay more attention to those. So I'm actually more excited about that than concerned about like affirmative action and race. Um, I can tell you now, my son's uh, 529 is called Morehouse, like, like that's what I call it. 
because I want him to go to Morehouse. I, obviously, he'll get to decide. But so, so there's that. With respect to race, I don't think that uh, Sandra Day O'Connor uh, was correct. I think um, she was the one that said about 23 years ago that in 25 years we want to should move away from race. I think race continues to be too much of a uh, determining factor in the life outcomes for individuals from an economic, health, and, and social, civic, too many ways. And so I think we do need uh, race and affirmative action, but the Supreme Court made its decision. I think universities are going to figure out ways to um, keep their campuses diverse, to your point. I think there is something to be said for focusing on social economic indicators. I do think we need to seriously examine legacy, um, legacy admissions, because that's that's, there's no merit to that. Uh, so it's an interesting time. Um, we've got just about a couple minutes left here. Uh, what would you say uh, going forward over the next 5 to 10, 20 years is, is the biggest challenge or biggest challenge or biggest opportunity uh, for African-Americans here in Indianapolis uh, specifically and the state of Indiana as a whole? I want to see our community get connected to the economic verticals um, in particularly in the central Indiana region, advanced manufacturing, logistics, uh, having businesses of scale that can hire people and that can generate wealth. Um, already within the data that I'm looking at, um, black businesses in Indiana, although they have a high closure rate, they outperform their peers if they survive in annual receipts. Um, there's some, and I think part of what's in that data is you got businesses like Mays Chemical and um, Justin Christensen's business, BC Ford, and some other large firms that are doing really, really well. I'd like to see that happen. I think that needs to happen in order for the community to move forward. Um, we need more uh, employers. That's what I'm thinking about. All right. Well, our guest on the program today, our guest on the program today, there we go, I can talk now, has been our good friend, Marshawn Wally, the president of Black Onyx Management. Uh, good friend of the program, Marshawn, my friend, always good to talk to you, buddy. We get together for lunch soon or cocktails or yeah. cigars or, or all three of the above. I think, I think we got a lunch meeting coming. I think we got this on the calendar <laughs> or something like, something like that. Something all right, my friend, you take care. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.